0: This is How Men Think with Brooks Like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of How Men Think. My name is Brooks Like, and our buddy Gavin DeGraw, who you just heard in that awesome intro, is running late, probably finishing his steak and eggs downstairs. No surprise (laughs) there. At the Bel Air Hotel here. So I am going to grant Mr. Dimitri and Mr. Rick co-hosting privileges today. It's you such don't. a privilege yeah, It, it is, is such a privilege And with I mean,
2: that You get Gavin's share Of the show as well I have so many people To thank for this honor Brooks thank Who would you, you so like much. To start with uh, I was just kidding I don't really have A lot of people to thank <laughs> So we get his $3.33 <laughs> Yeah you do buddy you Awesome do.
1: So I'm in on that Gavin you have Due to your lateness You have forfeited Your share of today's show And Rick and Dimitri <laughs> You guys
2: get to pick it up I'd rather have his Steak and eggs That he's finishing <laughs> yeah, I know He's he's a smart one
1: eh? He's downstairs <laughs> yes. eating And we're recording a yes. podcast <laughs> Uh, But I'm super excited about today's podcast. We have a very special guest here with us today that we'll get to in a second, but today's podcast is about something that I don't think we go into enough. It's a very hot topic amongst our listeners. It's something we get reached out to probably as much as anything to discuss, and today we want to go into the discussion of men's mental health, depression, uh, suicide prevention, all the things that men go through that are very rarely discussed and are sort of taboo in society and culture and men actually do not feel empowered or courageous enough to step up and share with people close to them so that's the discussion today It's going to be a heavy really deep important conversation uh and rick we have one of your friends here who has an amazing story that she's i want to applaud her Um, yes yes thank you we have kate osher here with us who has an amazing story that that is filled with courage and she's going to share it to be a vessel of service to our community to everybody listening at home but rick i'll let you tee up kate here yeah no I, thank you today. kate for coming in thank you, you know, for having and, me and reaching out uh, earlier and it's been a
3: long time since we've seen each other and and kate and i grew up together in the mean streets of newport <laughs> and um, mean streets oh, of boy. newport wow. i'm glad you both and made it out yeah <laughs> it was tough it was tough but uh, we have been childhood friends since since kindergarten, really. Yes, you know, yeah. So every class, every grade, every you know, you're a little bit more intelligent than I am. Oh, but, stop! Um, it's been great to reconnect. Yes, you know, and thank you for reaching out to me. You know, since we started doing this podcast, and and the topic today is that you're willing to share with us is and coming on is is very important. And so I think it's it's important that you. Um, you know, can share that with us. So, thank you.
0: Thank you for having yeah. me and being open to it.
1: So, the you are an avid listener of Habman Think. Who's I your? am. Yes, <laughs> love having <laughs> listeners of the show yes. on the show. That's the way. If anybody out there listening, be a listener. <laughs> if you're listening, and you'll keep come listening. On the show, yeah. Um, but so we want to dive into you. as much as possible. I want to be sensitive because even for us, this is a this is a big discussion. And it is. And knowing your story, having some background on your story, it's even hard in our position to hmm. ask these kinds of questions so I, I don't in any way want to offend you, but, I want to serve our community and people that are maybe going through this in their lives as much as possible. So
0: I'm an open book. You can ask me and really you, anything.
1: You Thank should know you so that much, my,
2: my defense mechanism is sarcasm. So if I throw out something, oh, I, fellow want sarcasm, brother. Yeah. I want you to <laughs> just Yay. know it's probably because I'm starting to sweat or something.
0: <laughs> Mine is too. <laughs>
1: um, so Kate, can you give us a little background? We want you to share your personal story about the conversation of men's mental health, depression, mental health issues, and then an ultimately suicide and suicide prevention. You believe this topic is rarely discussed and it's sort of your mission to bring light to it. Yes. And can you share a, a little bit of your personal story? Of course. To lead in So
0: um, what, I am a survivor of suicide loss. That's sort of how we dub ourselves when we've lost someone to suicide because it is really something that you do in fact survive. It's a very difficult, different kind of death to um, deal with. I was 28 years old when my husband uh, took his life. Uh, He was, we were living in Colorado at the time. I was actually visiting my parents in Colorado and he'd sort of gone silent for a few days and I had a really bad gut feeling that something was going on and called a mutual friend and said, you know, take the hide a key and will you go check on him? Hmm. And I got the phone call from the sheriff's department about 30 minutes later. And he had uh, utilized carbon monoxide and helium which a lot of people don't realize that helium can be fatal. He clearly researched kind of the most peaceful ways to go and the easiest ways to do it that wouldn't be messy for anyone to have to clean up. And that was on May 18th um, that, he, that he died. They didn't find his body until the 20th. I believe that he died the last time we spoke, which was on the 18th. Oh. And we'd had a very difficult conversation I think like most people dealing with mental health and suicide ideation, it was a perfect storm. It was, he had been diagnosed bipolar. He was a sober alcoholic, but had dealt with addiction. Yep. Um, He had a slew of business issues that were going on and some legal problems that were affecting us financially. And I think he just got really scared. And I think the pain was just too much to... To, to move on. And I think in his own way, he felt like he was really doing me a solid by leaving.
1: Of like setting you free? Setting me a- free,
0: thinking that all of those issues would disappear. Um, obviously, they don't. They sort of just start when that all happens. Uh, but I think, you know, in terms of people asking if it was a surprise, yes and no. I mean, I don't think you ever really think that a loved one will kill themselves. Yeah. But... To say that there weren't signs would be completely lying because there were numerous signs throughout our relationship.
2: Can I can I ask this? Um, so you, you would just you just told us everything that was kind of going on in his life that probably caused... Did he talk about that stuff or it was just stuff that you realized later or, or noticed yourself and then pieced together that it had been so much, weighing so much on him?
0: For the first several years of our relationship, he was very quiet, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, be a man, yeah. deal with it. And he hadn't yet been diagnosed uh, with bipolar at that time. And he struggled with a lot of childhood trauma, which I think is very common in men who deal with depression, anxiety issues. There's always some sort of background with that. Um, But he didn't talk about a lot of it until he he got sober. And he'd been sober for about a year and a half when he took his life. And I do think that with the gift of sobriety came really having to deal (laughs) with all of the things that he'd shoved down for so many years. Mm -hmm. And I think that is also so many people that we lose to suicide. It's a surprise because we feel like, well, gosh, they were doing so well. I just saw them. They seemed like they were doing so much better. And we've learned, I've learned through the research that I've done since 2002, when this became such a big part of my life, that when you're really struggling in that place of depression, or you're really struggling with that place of ideation, you often don't have the energy and the resolve to kind of do what you feel like you need to do to end your life. A lot of people, the suicide comes on the upswing. They're starting to get clarity. Mm. They're starting to get kind of a feeling of yeah this is getting better but i still remember how bad it was and i don't want to go back to that place and so you know in terms of risk i don't think just getting someone help and um feeling like oh now they're on medication that that doesn't necessarily take the risk away
1: Hmm. can i ask you one other question about you touched on first when you started talking are do you know of in relation to men or women that commi- commit suicide due to mental health mm-hmm. is there usually a connection between somebody that's bipolar somebody that's substance abuse or high stress and anxiety from career are those usually connected to that or are <coughs> they, they are so it was almost a perfect a storm a perfect
0: storm and they often say that oh. it's a perfect coming together of it can be health issues physical health issues mental health issues you know untreated mental health issues there have been statistics that say 90% of all suicides have a mental health component to them, diagnosed or undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I tend to believe that's true. I mean, I, there's a broad spectrum of what mental health issues can be. It can be anxiety, it can be depression, it can be schizophrenia, it can be bipolar. Um, it can be addiction. It can be job stress, relationship, relationship stress. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Greg and I were not in the greatest place when he died. We were dealing with a lot and we were still newlyweds. So it was just a lot to be dealing with. And the last conversation we had, and it's the voice that's kind of on a play all my life. I had said to him, I said, you know, Greg, I love you. And I have stuck with you through all of this. And we are going to get through this, but I need you to make a choice. And the choice that I was talking about was he didn't like taking his medication. He was a very creative guy, web designer, did a lot of graphic design, and he felt like the medication dulled his creativity. Yeah. And what I meant by make a choice was I want you to take your meds and I want you to commit to your recovery. And he obviously in his place in his brain took it as you need to make a choice to live or die. Uh, and that's oof. what he did. He made that for him, he made that decision that night.
1: Wow. I I just want to commend you already, Kate, for (laughs) just being here and sharing that already. That is, I can't think of something more deep and sensitive and vulnerable and real and emotional than that story and you just sharing that, being in this room with us, sharing that for our listeners and for us to learn and grow from. Already, I just want to commend you and say thank
0: you. thank you. you. Thank Thank you very
1: much. Have you, um, before prior, and Dimitri touched on this a little bit, but prior to um, your husband committing suicide, had he mentioned suicide? had he tried before? <clears throat> had he he there... had
0: had an attempt ten years before? Oh, ten years okay. and he even at the time had sort of said, well, it was more of a you know a mistake of mixing you know drugs and alcohol. I didn't really mean to do it and and I think a lot of times we don't necessarily know if a suicide is actually a suicide. It could just be an addict finally taking that dose that's right. too much or drinking too much. Um, But he had, you know, he was doing the things that you would think someone with a mental health condition would need to do, which is seeing a therapist. And he was, when he was sober, he was going to meetings and he was getting support from a sponsor. Um, But again, I sometimes think, I truly believe in suicide prevention. And when when I talk about suicide prevention, I know we can save lives. But I also do know that there are just some people who the struggle is going to be so great for them throughout their life that I do think there are people that are harder to help. And that's right. a hard thing right. to say when you're talking about suicide prevention because I want people to feel hopeful. But I also feel like for some people, it is really difficult. And I, I have talked to so many attempt survivors over the last decade. And every single one of them that I've talked to has said, I didn't want to die. I wanted the pain to end.
2: Oh, wow. It's
0: it's not so much... I mean, death, unfortunately, is is the the lasting effect and what happens. But it's really just... I don't want to stare down that dark tunnel anymore. I just... I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to feel like I'm a burden. I don't want to feel like I don't have a purpose. Um, And I do think that talking saves lives, which is why when I started listening to your podcast, and I very tentatively you know, sent a message to Rick and just said, hey, do you you think you guys might want to talk about this sometime? Because we are losing so many men. I mean, I just feel like every day in the news, you're seeing something else of a suicide of someone, you know, that's died, young, old, high celebrity, you know, unknown, whatever it is. And these are all people that are in an an intense amount of pain. And what can we do to help that?
1: And I think it's what is it 22 veterans a day?
0: yes commit suicide yes so suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States oh. um, wow. in 2017 47,173 Americans died by suicide mm. 1.4 Man. million attempted men die three and a half times more often than women die and white males account for 69% of those deaths
1: so wow. I've, I've read I had a friend who actually was doing some stuff in this space and um, shared a thought that they're now starting to link men's inability to share their emotions
2: with a uh, greater rate in suicide and greater rate in crime. I, I mean, I bet, I, I think anytime you keep something inside, you play out scenarios in your head and you start speaking for other people and then you feel like, you feel like you're maybe you're the only one that's feeling this and so then you keep it even further inside and I think it just festers yeah. and it's it starts boiling up. Right. Yeah.
1: Gav, our our good buddy Gavin Degraw has made it into the studio here. Good to see you guys. Good morning. Good morning. Heavy stuff. It is, yeah. It's but it's necessary. Unbelievably heavy stuff. Um, Kate, can I ask you a question? Uh, I mean, we have a long list of questions here. Um, I have have
3: a quick question I want to ask Kate. Are there besides the not obvious signs of of anxiety and, and bipolarism and stuff? Are there other signs that are that are you don't see that? that are out there, like to kind Any of That dive, you might have missed. Yeah, that you may have missed or they act in a certain way or they're...
0: Yeah, I mean, I think some of the common ones are withdrawing from activities. You know, if you've got a guy that's always shown up for your softball league but all of a sudden doesn't start showing up and doesn't really have a good reason why he's not showing up yeah. or someone's giving away items that they really care about or selling things. Um, those are kind of the the ones you always see. But I really... There's this... Misnomer that if you ask someone directly, "Hey, I'm worried about you. Are you considering suicide? Like, is that something you're thinking about?" People think that that is going to put the idea in someone's head. They don't want right. to raise it because right. all like, of like, oh, you're going to give, right. give them the idea. And the reality is that we have shown over and over again that it's actually a helpful thing because it allows permission for someone to, to say. Up. I'm hurting.
2: Sort of disarmed. I'm really
0: bit. hurting, yeah. and I'm so right. glad you asked me that. And how can you walk me through this? Yeah. I
2: mean, that makes sense. I can't imagine that anybody would, that would be able to do that would not have thought of it, and then you'd plant it in their head, and they like, "Oh my gosh, that's a great you know like <laughs> right. I, that's what I need." Like I think you're right. It's it's way better to you know approach that mm-hmm. and and risk them being offended that they you thought that then not
0: well i always say would you rather have a mad friend or would you rather have a dead friend yeah. and i would right. always take mm. a friend who's mad at me yeah. over a friend whose funeral i have to go to
1: yeah so yeah. when we say for ourselves or any of our listeners out there if they have a friend like this somebody that <clears throat> that is lost to despair that we're really concerned about they're like something just energetically feels off about mm-hmm. this person um what can we do other than just saying that? Um, or are there any things that you didn't do that you're like, I wish I would have done this for my husband. Like, is there anything that we can offer our community if they have somebody in mind that they want to help?
0: I I think being there and being there in a way that's that's solid, not just sending a text like, hey, do you need anything? Because the yeah. problem is when you're really in that low place, A, you don't know what you need, and B, you don't have the willpower to really ask for it. Um, So I think it's really showing up and just even sort of being that annoying person if you need to be that person where you're showing up in person, where you're inviting them to do things. You know, and even if they say no, you keep following up. If you ask the difficult question, they say, yeah, I'm really struggling, you hook them up with a crisis line. There's the the crisis call line, which is 800-273-8255. 24-7 um, and if you're ever concerned about someone you can call that line that line is not just if you're actively suicidal if you are concerned about someone you can call that and, line and, to and, get resources w-
3: so like oh, okay. so resources I was gonna say so what happens when you call that line like do they
0: when you call um, there's trained counselors and they if you are suicidal they assess the risk risk situation um, and they will talk you through you know, until you're either a feeling that they feel like they can let you off the phone because right. you're no longer. They will sometimes, you know, um, try and if there's someone like with a firearm, they try to really work yeah. through that in a safe way. Um, and if you're just calling for someone, they will give you, you know, organizations that you can contact and make sure you're also getting the support that you need yeah. in dealing okay. with that. If you don't want to talk to someone, you can text someone. There's a text line that's 24-7 and you just text talk to seven four one seven four one. Teenagers really prefer that yeah. mode yeah. <laughs> for yeah. obvious reasons because they're so addicted to their phones. Um You know, and there's people have great things to say about the lines and some people have horrible things to say about the lines. You know, the reality is our entire country needs a mental health overhaul. You know, it's a lot of people are afraid to call the line because they don't want to be put on a 5150, which is a mandatory hold in a psych ward. And I understand those fears. But if you really do feel that that someone is in danger of harming themselves, um, you really do need to talk them to at least a mental health professional, an ER, something. Mm-hmm. And again, they might be mad at you, but I, I would rather have someone be mad at me sure. and stop yeah. talking to me for a couple weeks yeah. than you know, having to contact family members yeah. and say that they're no longer here.
2: I know, I, I actually know a few people that have taken their own lives. Um, and it seems... The majority of them, it was at a time where there was change coming. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, sometimes people are excited. There was one in the final week of high school. Mm-hmm. There was one in the final week of college. Mm-hmm. And and then there was another. But I think that some people get excited for change. And I think some people are terrified of it. Mm-hmm. And I think they're feeling lonely. And I think they're feeling like everyone's going to leave without me. Right. Or whatever life is going to go on, I'm not ready for. And so it's interesting that I think it's something to keep in mind that when, when there's a transition like that, or there's the, it, it's maybe exciting for everybody, but you kind of got to keep your eye out for people that, that, you know, and, and I'm not saying there was something we could have done or was it, just didn't see it. But you know, th- that there's that loneliness factor when people think they're going to be alone and they just, they just go even further inside their own head. And it's like, that's a tough thing to, to be excited for something. But I think we got to be aware of, of people that are, you know, definitely afraid of life moving on without them.
0: definitely and i think for as wonderful as social media is i get to stay connected to friends that i don't get to see very often like rick um it can be really hard for people that do struggle with mental illness because again it's the highlight reel notion yeah. you know everybody's posting the best things of their day very That's few right. people are really posting real things and this I only is pre- why. I only
2: post depressing <laughs> stuff so follow <laughs> me yeah so, true. I only yeah, ever take pictures good. of my car before I
0: watch but I think especially with with teenagers yes you know that that's one of the risk factors with middle-aged men it's it's that pressure of i haven't achieved everything that i wanted to achieve and i've you know or i can't pay for college or i can't you know it's the pressure so much of it is either the financial pressure or like you said those those transitions in life that are difficult for some people i mean not everybody has great family support not everybody has a really cool group of friends. Not everyone has guys they can banter with, you know. Right. But truth be told, do you guys really talk deeply with each other? I mean... That's
1: why we wanted to start the show. <laughs> Actually, studio. when you leave and and no, <laughs> nobody else is around, we're always like, so I'll tell
0: you about the real shit that's going <laughs> <on." Yeah. laughs> you
1: know? No, that's what we wanted to start the show about is because I, I don't believe... I spent my whole life in locker rooms and I don't right. believe men do share their emotions and their their feelings right. enough and in in my life
4: they're more likely to share deodorant.
0: Yeah.
4: He played hockey. In <laughs> yeah. case you didn't know, he played hockey. No, That's with the locker but, room. Well, and like. one of the episodes that
0: I that sticks out in my mind is when you guys asked each other like when the last time you cried was. Right. And yeah. it was some some of you had a hard time really kind of coming to terms with like when was that and what was I feeling when that happened or and I just think, you know, so much of it is that men are raised to you know to suck it up and be a man and and you know do manly things and I think I've become this has obviously been a passion project of mine since I lost my husband I'm remarried now I have two sons and this is very important to me now because I want my sons to grow up knowing Mm -hmm. that they can talk to me about anything that if they're scared they can come to me Um, I don't want them to feel like they have to bottle things up. I mean, we are seeing suicide in children as young as eight. I mean, that is nuts.
1: So, Kate, can I ask you, how old are your boys? My boys are eight. They're eight. They're eight. How how and at what age did you bring this up to them? Are they aware that... So you were previously married. The
0: interesting thing is they've only just known for the last several months. It's always been in the back of my head. Like, Oh, we got to tell them we got to, what are we going to do? Right. Um, because I write about it so often and you know, they're using computers at school. I'm like, Oh man, if they Google me, there's stuff that's going to come up that they're going to be really surprised by. And so I finally, it's, I had wanted to have a full sit down. My husband um, is an attorney and was away at trial for three weeks. um, And I was doing one of my groups. I facilitate, I co-facilitate survivors groups, which Mm. is an eight week program for for people who have lost ones to suicide to kind of help them through (laughs) that. And it was our last group. And the last group is really important because you need closure because so many people didn't have closure with the one that they lost. And my babysitter canceled. And I panicked because I Mm. thought, oh gosh, what am I going to do? And I called the director of the program and I said, hey, there's extra rooms in the, in the building. Can I just bring the boys? I'll bring like electronic babysitters. I'll put yeah, the TV right. on. I'll do what they, you know, they know it's important. And for whatever reason, I think his daddy had been gone for three weeks already and they were upset. My one son had a full-fledged meltdown yeah. about why. Why do we have to go? Why are these meetings so important to you? Why do you have to always help these people? Mm-hmm. And so I sat down and I said, you know what, guys? Because mommy had a really, really heavy loss when she was younger Mm. and I'm trying to help people go through what I went through and they said what and I told them and the again it's humor I think kids can handle a lot but the funniest thing of the whole thing so I said you know I was married I was married to a man his brain was really sick he died I didn't go into full details about anything but my one son looked at me and he said so you're telling me that if Greg didn't die I would be stuck in the Baby Depot, like with no parents, <laughs> just out there floating around waiting for someone to pick me up. And I was like, I guess so, kid. That's exactly what I'm saying. Right. That's, You'd be that's stuck your in the Baby Depot. That's, <laughs> if that's what we're talking about now, that's exactly yeah. right. And I did. I packed them up. They went. They were fine. But they know and have known for a long time that this is really important to me.
1: How did you bring it up to your now husband? And how long into
0: seeing each other did you bring that up? the interesting thing is that it's amazing how the world works. Um, I was a reproductive law attorney for many years. So infertility was my specialty. I helped people have kids and one of the agencies that I worked for, I became very friendly with one of the case coordinators and she knew that I had lost my husband to suicide and had just moved back to California to kind of restart my life and her brother died by suicide and she Mm -hmm. called me and she said you're the only person I know that's been through this and what do we do and it turns out I started you know talking to her about what it was you know what it was and we became closer through that experience and she had a brother another brother her other older brother who she said I just would love for you to meet my brother and her brother is now my husband. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, he has, so lost, cool. he has lost family members yeah. to suicide. And it's the other reason why I want my children to feel safe with their mental health and to understand that this notion of physical health, mental health. To me, health is health. Mental health affects physical, physical affects mental. It's all one thing. If you're letting yeah. one thing slide, it's all going to slide at some point. And I want my kids to know because the reality is... We've got some stuff in our family history, you know. I've got alcohol. I'm Scottish and Irish. I mean, we've got boozers on my side. We've got (laughs) alcoholism. Um, He has suicide on his. There's several people in his family that have died by suicide, and you know, some of it was sort of explained, some of it wasn't. And you know, I want my kids. They're at risk. I mean, they have shown that there is a biological component to mental health issues, and. Men who have children later in life, they've also shown, have a higher risk of having a schizophrenic or bipolar child. And it used to never be that men, you know, Mm -hmm. women kind of got this bad end of the stick, like, oh, your eggs are old, you're going to have kids with birth defects. And now they're showing that men who have kids later in life also have some risks for other things being passed on. Do
1: you know an age huh. number on that? Because I'm 36 right now. I don't have kids, but want to have kids. Do you know a specific sort of general age And just to there? let
0: you know, do not panic. It's not like I'm, a huge yeah. percentage yeah. of people. I'm, like, I'm, I'm not, not, but I'm like, ease up on I'm 36 always, being old. No, I know. <laughs> you it, can it have
1: is, one of my it's, kids.
0: It's, <laughs> it's They say men over 40. Men over 40. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's
3: what's the best way to approach this conversation with kids? Do you... Do you talk about that at all? I of? Kinda...
0: I mean, sadly, there are more groups now for children because yeah. we are losing so many parents and things and friends to suicide. But I think brain health is just one of the best ways to sort of approach it. Okay. That just the same way we take care of our hearts, the same way we take care of our brain, you know, we have to take care of our brains. And what does that mean? That means, you know, eating well, exercising and talking about our feelings, not holding yeah. things in. Yeah. And, you know, I've always been pretty open with everything. But I mean, I had a really rough... uh, High school was not the greatest for me. No. And and the reason I
3: was asking, because I I coach high school water mm -hmm. polo. And so we have started a new program at our school where we're... Just with our team, where we're starting to engage these other aspects of their lives. That's amazing. Instead of just being a coach and running practice and everything. It's like, hey, we're going to talk to the police department about... Safety and we're gonna parties and what happens and then totally. we bring in more of it like a um, you know, health Mm-hmm. through the school but it's it's a health person and so we're right. talking about our feelings and how does that work and you can't go see somebody besides mm-hmm. coming to your coach or your parents or whatever so yeah, I just want to see the other ways
0: and yeah and I think too with, with family you know the hardest thing is you know so many kids have things going on that they just don't want to talk about and you can kind of see it and pinpoint it but you don't know exactly what it is and, and no one wants to get involved and no one wants to have to you know and no one wants to talk to their parents yeah
3: you know it's yeah, like,
0: <laughs> exactly
3: so having those other outlets I think is really key. right
0: having outlets having and I think there's always I feel like there's always one parent it's funny I could never really talk to my mom I felt like about certain things but like all of you guys always came to talk to my mom like yeah. whenever you lost your virginity <laughs> or did anything like you were well, always we didn't, we didn't get dime. into You're, those details I
2: don't even but. know your mom <laughs> yeah. that I lost my virginity <laughs>
0: No, I mean, I laughed, That might, have been, I that
2: might have been somebody else. It Rick. was
0: someone else, and you Rick. probably know who.
2: <laughs> Rick was just bragging. He was telling but
0: everybody. I, mean, I remember laughing. It was a like, glorious day, Dimitri. <laughs> I just remember coming home and being like, what? Because my mom would day, say, 20 we're 20 having 20 20 a private conversation. Just go upstairs for a while. Yeah. And it's like... Okay. But I didn't feel like I could talk to my mom necessarily. I didn't either.
3: And I feel like that's also kind of like the generation too. Yes. Hopefully this generation of kids is... Yes. And and us, you know, having a platform to share these ideas and share these concerns is... is, Well, and I think as much
0: as higher profile men can come forward you know it was huge when michael phelps came forward to talk about his depression and anxiety and how he helped dealt with that and i think a lot of people were finally okay with that i think we have you know a lot of football players that are talking about the head injuries and how that's affected their lives and talking about early
2: retirement um Mm -hmm.
0: early retirement and what that's done to them um so i think the more we can talk you know i think a lot of men Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain. I mean, when the mm. f- news first came out, we didn't know a lot. Now we know certain things that Robin w- Williams was dealing with. But like Anthony Bourdain, I think so many people just looked at him as like this just lover of life and food and all the what? things. Yeah, you know,
3: travel. Trou-
1: yeah.
0: And then to all of a sudden have him gone, I think a lot of people, men included, took a step back and said, oh boy. Right, right. What do I, okay, how am I going to deal with this? And what does this mean to me? Right and you yeah, know in Newport yeah and, and
4: all over the world he gets to do it for someone else is paying to go these amazing places
0: yeah you're yep. showing up it's, and it's so
2: easy to look at that and think but he's got it all he's got nothing right to worry Exa- about. exactly but and you're that's, just looking at the specs on paper right? it's such I mean. a
0: fallacy and I think that's what we have to remember mm-hmm. that this is equal opportunity it happens to the rich it happens yeah. to the poor it happens to right. the healthy it yeah. happens to those with families those without families and we need to just open up the conversation and make it be okay. It's okay to talk. You know, it's okay not to be okay. There's a great right. cafe in Chicago called Sip of Hope, and they have, like, trained mental health baristas, and you get to go in there and have a coffee and talk. Uh-huh. And their motto is, it's okay not to be okay. Because right. we live in a society right. where everything yeah. has to be airbrushed everything's gotta be and everything's got to be perfect. And now and with social media, it's even more. Right. more so. right. But it's okay not to be okay. It's okay yeah. to be scared that you're not going to be able to provide for your family or if you're losing a job or whatever it is. Right. I yeah. think, you know,
4: not to get all religious on me, but I think that, that sort of uh, fundamentally that was probably more the purpose of church than we, than we pay attention to now too in in modern society as people are not necessarily showing up at churches or temples and it's become a less of a religious uh western civilization than we've had in the past Mm -hmm. people aren't necessarily showing up to a place of worship where they're told to look into their souls and think about their their day-to-day lives and their relationships the way that they used to on a Sunday or a Saturday at least once a week in their community before a version of forced socialization. We've drifted away from that in modern culture. Now, we're talking about this in sort of this other version of this other setting, and we're creating these other settings that essentially are, in some senses, not necessarily religious, but are serving a similar purpose of looking into your soul, looking into your happiness, applying these certain versions of are we healthy, are we not healthy, how do we fix the things that are wrong in our lives? Right. And uh, it's ironic, but um, but that essentially, it's making me see what the purpose of some of these social groups were and these religious uh, sort of formats.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's amazing, when I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about, in my life, Dimitri, you touched on it, you had people that you know or new that have committed suicide. Off the top of my head, I've thought of two. Um, one was our team doctor that looked after mm-hmm. my health for mm-hmm. years. Wow! One of the happiest guys I knew. He was as <laughs> responsible for my health as anybody I knew, mm-hmm. and lo- saw him after every single game. And all of a sudden, found out he had committed suicide. Wow! And wow. I just didn't know. I was so I was like, he seemed like the happiest. Yeah guy mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. I, I and i felt so bad i was like i wish i could have helped i wish i would have mm-hmm. but how i just i just didn't see it as you said Dimitri. like sometimes you just don't see it you think somebody has it all together there was another guy i skated with played in the nhl professional hockey player mm-hmm. made millions of dollars committed suicide Mm -hmm. um so it's i bet in anybody listening they have somebody in their circle that either struggles with mental health Mm -hmm. or has committed suicide it's that prominent i think in society today and then also i want to share one of my best friends in the entire world i've known him my entire life um we grew up very right across the street from each other so i've known him for 36 years Mm -hmm. um Tyrell Lamentine is his name. One of the funniest people I've ever met in the world. Mm. And he's been on an amazing journey and has just started sharing his journey with mental health. And he's done two articles on LinkedIn that I want to share. It's uh, If you are listening and want to read these, Ty Lamentine on LinkedIn. And his first article was Mental Health and My Career in the Oil and Gas. Mm. And he talks mm. about his issues talks about how when he thought he made this much money, he'd be, he'd be happier mm-hmm. and he'd be, and he talks about his issues. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about how once he laid his weapons down and opened up and shared his vulnerability, mm-hmm. people that he looked up to, bosses, people way up in the, in the chain, reached out to him and said, I'm struggling. Thank you so much. Wow. Can you help me? This is, yeah. wow, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so glad you shared yeah. this. Like, so I encourage anybody in our community to, to have the courage. And that's what I always challenge him with. I'm like, mm-hmm. if, if it doesn't exist around where we live, you mm-hmm. have to create it. And he started mm-hmm. that conversation. And so if you want to read his articles, he has Mental Health and My Career in Oil and Gas mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. And he also did a follow-up called Mental Health Tip, The Things I Wished I'd Known in the Beginning. So you can, mm-hmm. we'll share these in the show notes, but these are two amazing articles and I yeah. love Tyrell's mission. And it's amazing when you open up for anybody out there struggling, if you open up about, and that's what this show is, yep. open up about your struggles, our insecurities, things that we are having a problem or issue with in our life. There is a listening and compassionate ear mm-hmm. and somebody willing to line, like people will line up to help you. Yeah, You know, and so Tyrell, I love your mission, brother. He's a brother to me. I, I love his mission. I want to share that and go check out his articles on mental health. Um have you guys experienced Gavin and Rick? have you guys experienced anything like this in your life? Mm. know anybody i i have
4: <clears throat> yeah i've known i've known more than one person who's who's uh committed suicide
1: that's amazing uh, and um man that's
4: yeah and uh and you know they're they're i i'm I'm thinking of two right now they couldn't have been more opposite types of people you know Uh, One of them was very, very from like an orthodox background and one was, you know, uh, sort of like backwoods, you know, uh, carpenter. Yeah. And they're totally two different types of people, but uh, one of them had a substance abuse problem and one, and one didn't you know one didn't have seemed to have any problems, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, and was yeah. one of those people who you know if i was if I was walking home from from town like with my bag, you know after like ball like after practice or something like that, and the bus would drop you off in town and you have to walk that last that last mile or so. If, if they ever saw you on the street, on the road walking, mm-hmm. they'd be like, "Oh, let me give you a ride," you know. Yeah, and I yeah. think, "Hey, hop in," you know. Give you, a ride. I'd be like, "No, no, I don't want to inconvenience you." No, please, let me have a me Give you a ride, you know. and so you didn't see those things. Coming, I know? think it's crazy.
2: I think that's yeah. it. I think depression doesn't uh, and and mental health doesn't attack one type of person. It, no one's immune to it. So I mean, it's yeah. that, just as you're saying, they were completely opposite people.
4: Totally, two different types of people, hundred percent. And and it's not necessarily a money thing, and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. a substance abuse thing, but it could be Some people. It's that's part mm-hmm. of what's you know mm-hmm. a, a, an obstacle for them. Uh, it's just so unbelievable it's such a a, the human mind is so so complex and your emotion the range of emotions every every single person is capable of traveling throughout the course of one single day is so vast Mm -hmm. you know so so you can never really you never know what to expect but it is it is good to know that there's people you can go to or at least people who aren't necessarily even professionals you can always pick up the phone and call a buddy or yeah. or, or if yeah. you sense that someone's having a hard time call them and say hey man what are you doing you all right no no i'm, right. well, I'm coming by yeah. i got coffee yeah you know what um, i mean like something some yeah. interaction and sometimes it's good to be a little bit of a nudge if you're dealing with somebody who's really super bummed out you know I've been bummed out before and had a buddy just show up. Like, yo, man, what's up? Got you a beer, man. And let's, yeah. uh, let's let's rap. go for a walk. You yeah. know, we're all like, nah, man, I'm working. I'm working. Nah, man, get out of the house, bro. You yeah. can't sit in the house for three days in a
2: row working. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's um, go. Sometimes I act you know bummed I mean? out. I act bummed out in case someone will bring me beer. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like somebody a...
4: shows yeah. up and says, yo, man, let's go. And you're like, oh, man, you know what? I really actually <laughs> needed to get out of the house. And so sort of
2: like, for
1: our... For our listeners, Kate, that want to get in touch with you because yes. you do so much work in the space, and thank you for your story again. Uh, we need to wrap here, but I I want to um, ask. Where can our listeners find you? Should they want to reach out to you?
0: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, all all under Kate Lyon Osher. Uh, that's my full name, and then I have a blog, KateLyonOsher.com.
1: Okay, Lyon.
0: Lyon L Y O N. L
1: Y O N. Okay, yes. so Kate Lyon Osher. You spell it wrong, me. you know.
2: <laughs> it's like Lion It's like Lyon Estates from that's, Back to the Future. I and know I know it's we Kate need Lyon. to
0: wrap, but I just wanted to say first, vulnerability is a superpower, and that sounds so cheesy, but it really is. If you can open yourself up people will come to you because they will connect with you yeah. and also just to end check on the people that are always smiling that are always joking that always seem to have it put together because those are the ones that are oftentimes struggling the most yeah. just want to make sure <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> As she's
1: glaring in all of our oh, eyes so good.
0: straight <laughs> at dimitri yes <laughs> well you know <laughs> Thank you, Kate, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing.
1: Thank you so much. And for everybody listening, we'll put all of these resources in the show notes. Um, We'll let you know all of the areas you can reach out. There are so many resources. Please do not feel like you're alone. Call your mom, your dad. I'm telling you, people will line up to help you if you're struggling. And if you have somebody in your life that you are just even energetically feeling weird about, please, as Gav said, bring him a coffee or a beer, or something. Pull them aside, say, "Hey, I just mm-hmm. want to talk with you. Let's just wrap." If you're good, you're good. Great. I just want you to know I care about you. I love you, mm-hmm. um, right. and, and I just want to be here. If there's anything you want to share, so yep. thank you, everybody that thank listened. You. Yeah, thank man, you. Absolutely. This was an amazing episode. I feel like we have to do a follow up to this. I, I, I think, think so. this I is agree. such. I think there's still so much more to unpack I in this. Yeah. Um, And reach out to us with your questions or comments, anything, anybody certainly struggling. uh, Please reach out with us and we will do our best to help you. So till next week, take care of one another, love one another. Awesome. And we'll see you back here.